you got your Bible, just hold them up. Out in front of your phones, iPads, whatever you got, hold it up. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your word. Lord, your word brings life and health. Lord, your word, your word guides us and directs us. And God, today I pray that you would speak through me, Lord, that it would be your spirit and it wouldn't be me. God, I pray that, Lord, we would have eyes to see what you want us to see, ears to hear what you want us to hear, and that we would be the type of soil that you talk about in Mark 4, that we hear the word, we receive it with joy, and it produces in our life. So, Lord, we want you to challenge us today. We want you to speak to us, instruct us, teach us, Lord, how to become more and more like you. And uh, we just thank you for it. We give you praise for your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're continuing in our, in our series. We've been talking about the love of God. And um, we've been in this series, uh, I think we started it January 1. Um, so this is the longest series I've ever done in the history of ministry. Um, and, uh, but we're not done with it. You know, God's love is bigger than you even know right now. I told someone this week, they asked me about God's love. I said, how big do you think God's love is? And they're like, it's huge. I said, it's bigger than that. Doesn't matter how much we can try to describe it. It's bigger than what we can describe. And here's the blessing is we're learning more and more about how much God loves us. That's what it's about. Like, there's a, I think if you look at the root issue of why people in the church today struggle, the root of it is they don't know how much they're loved by God. That's where, that's where it all starts. You have to recognize the importance of understanding you are loved. Yeah, but pastor, you don't understand what my past is like. God doesn't love you based on your performance. He loves you based on the fact that he is loved. God is loved. That's, that's what he does. He loved the world. You know, there's people in the world that are not serving God. There's people in the world. You probably ran into some of them this week. There are people in the world that don't want anything to do with God. Yet God still so loved the world. Everybody. He loved you before you turned to him. He loved you before you gave your life for him. Matter of fact, the Bible says it was his kindness and his love that drew you to repentance. So we're, we've been talking about this whole idea of love. And the great thing is Romans 8 says that nothing, absolutely nothing, can ever separate us from God's love. In other words, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter uh, what mistakes you make. It doesn't matter how much money you have or how much you don't have. It doesn't matter any of materialistic things. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't, none of that matters. The bottom line is there's three things that apply to everybody, these three words. You can say it to anybody, and it'll be true. God loves you. Period. He loves you. You believe that? We've been going since January. If you don't believe it, listen. Pay more attention. Take some notes. All right? So let's, uh, let's, let's jump into it. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians verse 13, or chapter 13. This is kind of one of the texts we've been talking about. If I could speak of all the languages of earth and angels but did not love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, understood all of God's secret plans, possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gained everything to the poor, even sacrificed my body, I couldn't boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would gain nothing. Here's what love is. Love is patient. Listen, God 
is patient. Do you know that? God is patient with you. Are you grateful for that? Yes, I am very grateful for that. God is kind. Some people see God as up in heaven with a lightning bolt just waiting. Go ahead. Mess up again. Mess up again. Go ahead. Oh, oh, don't even think about it. And see, that's not God. God is kind. Matter of fact, his kindness that leads us to repentance. Love is not jealous. It's not boastful. It's not proud or rude. God is not rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That's what we're going to be talking today. Before we do, let's go to Galatians 5, verse 22, and realize where does this love come from? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life. Love. Where does this love come from? This kind of love we're talking about, the agape love, comes from the Spirit of God. Look at 1 John 4, verse 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from who? God. We talked about this last time, okay? We have God. We have others. Or we have you. And then we have others. And see, a lot of times people look at this and we, we focus so much on you loving others. And 1 Corinthians 13, you got to be patient with people. You have to be kind to people. You have to forgive people. You have to, you have to, you have to. And that's true. But the problem is, is, is it's caused us to try to come up with all these ways and formulas that we can learn how to be patient. Can I tell you, you you're not going to learn how to be patient on your own. Not the kind of patience that, that this is talking about. This loving people where, where you can be patient with people, loving people in that, because patience, patient isn't just waiting, because you have no choice to wait. If you're in a line at the store and there's 20 people in front of you, you have no choice but to wait. But that doesn't mean you're patient. Just want you to know I waited in line for 20 minutes. Oh, you're so patient. No, you had an attitude the whole time, Right? You're the one saying, can anybody open up another register? What are y'all doing? Why are you standing around? Well, grab the microphone. We need another, another aisle open, aisle seven, please open. None of that. You know what, we, you, know what you need? Patient. To, to stand there and to say, you know what, maybe the person in front of you is going through something and God puts you there to love them, to encourage them, to help them. But see, we're so focused on us a lot of times. Because we have a tendency to define love different than what it really is. And we look at love a different way, and we'll go to that in just a minute. But it says love comes from God. So in other words, for you to love others, you have to receive this kind of love from God. Because basically, it's not you coming up with some human love for someone. This is God's love towards people. In other words, you, you're just that hose that hooks up to the spigot. The water source is God. You're the hose that the water flows through to benefit somebody else. You're not the source. You're just an instrument used to get the source to others. You're a resource that God's using. In other words, God so loved the world, one of the ways he wants to love the world is through you. One of the ways he wants to love people and show people his love and his kindness is through you. And that's where we've been talking about because if we keep reading, it says anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. 
If anyone who does not love does not know God. See, that sounds pretty strong. If you're not loving God, if you're not loving others, you're not, you're not receiving it from God. And that's why, that's why this is important, because you can't love others without receiving it first. And, in, and I'm generally speaking, in a lot of churches, we focus a lot on what we can do to others, our performance. But I'm telling you, before you can ever do anything for others, you have to receive from God. Because it's God that works in you and through you. In you first and then through you. That's what God wants to do. Listen, for this community we're in, the greatest thing you can do for this community is receive God's love for you. And then allow it to flow out of you. That's the greatest thing you can do. Just receive the love of God and let it flow out of you. And then the last four words there, for God is love. See, for some people, it's not that love is God. Because we, if we view love wrong, we're going to view God wrong. So we can look at love, and in our world, in our custom today, that's the most thrown out word that we, that we use. We will use love for everything. I love flowers. I love pizza. I love chocolate. I love my wife. All that's in the same sentence. What do you love? Chocolate and my wife. Man, if you say those at the same time, you, you're in trouble. You better say, I love chocolate and I, I like, I mean, I love, Woo! I'm sorry, baby. I just messed it up, didn't I? You say, I love chocolate and I really love my wife. Okay. See how I fixed that? Um, y'all pray for me this afternoon, okay? Uh, but here, here's the thing, though. We, we use that word so much. And since we've been going through this study, I almost laugh sometimes because I hear people say, oh, there were, I, even at the grocery store, you'll hear someone saying, oh, I, I, I love that cereal. I'm like, are you patient with that cereal? Are you kind to that cereal? I mean, are you, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I understand, but we just throw it out there. So we tend to see, when, when we hear God loves you, we, 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 that's what we think about. That basic love, that, just that feeling. Oh, it's really nice. Yeah, God, God thinks I'm nice. But it, God's love is way deeper than that. And you only are going to understand that through a revelation. You're only going to gain the revelation from God when you can just be still before him and let him speak to you. Let him reveal his love to you. God wants to show you and tell you and demonstrate to you how loved you really are. Because it will help you through all of it, through all that you go through, knowing that you're loved. All right, so let's go, let's go to verse 7 because this is where we left off. We've talked all about how God's been patient and how once we receive God's love and love is patient, we receive that love, we'll be patient with others. We've talked to a lot of that stuff. Verse 7 is where we are now. Love bears up under anything and everything. This is the Amplified, okay? Um, but in the, go to the first, first Corinthians 13, the one at the very top. Love never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. So basically when it says never gives up, one translation says love bears all things. 
Okay? Love bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, endures all things. Some things, some say love um, always, always believes, always bears, or covers. There's a lot of different translations. But here's what it means when it says never gives up. The Greek word there means to bear, a lot of translations say bear, but it means to cover. When we say never give up, we think it's like, oh, we just push through. No, love means we cover. It's almost like the, the Greek word actually is referring to like a roof. A roof. So, so love is like a roof? What does that mean? Listen, where do you want to go in, in, diff, in stormy situations? Under shelter, right? What does the Bible say about Jesus being a shelter? Yeah, he's our shelter to run to, Right? He's the one we can run to for shelter. He'll shelter us. He'll protect us. So if love bears all things, I'm just going to draw a little circle here, and I'm going to put these four things. Okay, here's what they are. Bears all things, believes, hopes, and endures. That's what this verse is talking about. And here's what it talks about. All things, or always, one translation says always. This is where, again, when you start tapping into the love of God, this is what happens spiritually. You begin to mature. Because this is, this is not real easy. When we start talking about what this means, it is not easy. But for the love of God, it is. It's natural for the love of God. Because God God's love does it. But when it says that, that love covers or it bears like a roof, then this is what it's talking about. When people go through difficult situations, even people that hurt you, people that, that are struggling and having a difficult time, this is what it, it doesn't mean that we pull away. Oh, yeah, look, what you, look, yeah, look where you're at now, see? Nope. We become a place to help. We become a place that covers we come to a place that the Bible talks about, 1 Peter 4.8, I, I have it in your notes, or I have it up on the screen. 1 Peter 4.8 says this about love. Love covers a multitude of sin. That's what love does. It covers it. It doesn't mean that we don't recognize wrong. It doesn't mean that we don't, we don't um, correctly encourage or correct or do things or deal with things that we need to deal with, but we don't go exposing it to everyone. We cover. In Genesis chapter 9, I want you to read, I want to read this passage to you in Genesis chapter 9, starting in verse 18. Okay, this is sons of Noah came out of the boat. So Noah, Noah's ark, you know the story, right? So the ark lands, Noah comes out of the boat. Um, the sons of Noah come out of the boat with their father. Sham, Ham, and Japheth were the sons. Ham's the father of Canaan. From these three sons of Noah came all the people now who populate the earth. Okay? So basically Noah is your greatest grandpa. All right? So after the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground. He planted a vineyard. One day he drank some wine that he made. He had a little too much. He became drunk and he lay naked inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers. When you look a little deeper in that, it was almost a mocking attitude towards his father. 
Look at dad. He's all plastered in there and he don't have no clothes on or whatever. It was that kind of attitude. But Sham and Japheth, they took a robe. They held it over their shoulders. In other words, they grabbed it like this. Ham on one, I mean, uh, Sham on one side, Japheth on the other. They grabbed it. And this is what it says they did. You got to catch this. They backed into the tent to cover their father. Not expose him, not see, not see him in that condition. They backed over and they covered him. And as they did, they looked other ways so they would not see him. That's an example of what we as believers are supposed to do. It doesn't mean, listen, it doesn't mean that we don't address things that are wrong. There are times where something's going on and we have to understand, but we don't have to expose everything. Listen, we can't use our prayer circles to talk about what people are doing wrong. Hey, I got a prayer request. You know that one lady, she's all, I don't know, she's going through all this. And you know what she said too? Pray for her. Because what happens is we use our spiritual stuff to, to expose things that need to be covered. And you got to be careful. Listen, let, can I just be honest with you about something? One reason why people don't flock to the church is because the church is what hurt them. The church is what exposes them. When people come in here, you know what God has called us to do? Embrace people where they're at. Not expose them. That E ain't on there. Embrace, encourage, equip, and empower. That's what God's called us to do. That's the vision of who we are. If someone comes in here and they're struggling and they have these, these struggles that they're facing, they have lifestyles that aren't right, we don't just say, hey, we all, you know what they, you look at that, you know what they're doing. That's not what we do. We love them. And we back, we back in and we cover them. Knowing that, that God will take them to a place we can begin to encourage them. We can begin to equip them and help them to make changes as the Lord works on them. Right? So because the church has been the one to hurt people a lot, that's why they're not coming. Why? Because we have a tendency to think we have to expose everybody's faults. As opposed to covering them, a place where all of a sudden it doesn't get, they're not attacked. And they're safe. I mean, it doesn't take, listen, you're outside, it starts thundering and lightning and, and storming. Where do you go? To a safe place. What if, what if people's lives are a storm? What if people's lives are messed up? And they run to you and you just point out, you messed up. They're looking for shelter. They're looking for someone who will just cover them for a minute and just help them. That's what love does. But it's difficult because if we see love the way we see it lay, played out in our life as on this earth, we see love that's very selfish. We see love that's very performance-based. We see love that's just as long as you do everything right, I'm here for you. We don't see the kind of love that says, hey, even in your messed up stuff, we're going to cover that. We're going to cover it. Like I said, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you close your eyes and you're blind to people's stuff. But I am saying this, that love covers a multitude of sin. I didn't write that. That came from the word of God. Love covers. And that's what we got to be sensitive to. And that's what we got to allow the Lord to help us. To, to model, all right? So let's keep going. Look at Proverbs 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, 
But love covers how many sins? All. Let me ask you a question. If you came to me and said, Pastor, I just, man, could you pray for me? I've been, I've been struggling with stealing. I mean, everywhere I go, I just steal. I mean, I steal things all the time. I even stole that doll from plate. You know what I would do? You know what I should do? Amen. God will help you. Let's pray. God can set you free. Because, see, you don't understand the love of God. The reason you steal is because you think you have to supply your own needs. Because you don't realize God's got you. And he could take care of you. So when you steal out of panic, like, I don't have enough, I need this, I need this, it's because you don't understand God wants to be your ultimate source. God wants to show you he can take care of you. But you know what a lot of us would do? We'd hide our wallets. And we'd say, all right, well, you just need to stay away from the ushers. We put a APB out. Uh, listen, the guy on row seven. Don't count. I'm not talking about any of y'all. <laughs> you know, he, he steals. And all of a sudden, there's this label over him. As opposed to realizing what's, what's down in there. Why? Because he doesn't understand how much God loves him and that God wants to take care of him. So it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's still not wrong. Doesn't mean it's still not a sin. Doesn't mean I still can't say, listen, man, you don't want to do that, man. You're just you're missing out on things of God. You don't want to, you don't want to do that. That's not the right, that's not the right thing. You need to know God loves you and He cares for you. And whatever you feel like you got to grab that because you're so in so much need. Let me tell you what the Bible says about people's needs. That God's people, He supplies all of theirs. And you just begin to see it different. Because of God's love. So we, gotta, we just got to look at that and say, let's, let's cover. Let's cover. Romans 15.1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak, not to please ourselves. If we're strong, we need to bear with those who are struggling and help them. Help them. That's, that's what God's called us to do. This is, when we look at how Jesus did that, can I give you a great example? Look at Isaiah 53, starting in verse 3. This is about Jesus, talking about what's going to happen when he goes to the cross and dies for us. He was despised and rejected. Man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. And we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we didn't care. Listen to this. It was our weaknesses that he carried. See, when you think about that roof thing, come here, uh, Chris. I almost forgot your name. You've only been working for me for how long? All right. So this is Chris, right? And Chris has to pay the price for his sins. So he's getting ready to just pay the price. Jesus comes and does this right here and covers him. And Jesus takes the stripes. Jesus takes the beating, and Jesus dies to cover him and to cover you. Thank you. That, that's, see, that's the greatest picture. I saw that this week. I'm like, God, you bore my sins. And you're telling me to bear other people and, be, and cover their sins. And I've struggled with that because I think, Lord, they deserve that. They've messed up. They've hurt people. They've done things. Why would I cover theirs? And then I'm so reminded of, good gracious, you know how many times I have failed the Lord in my life? 
And he bore every one of my sins. Every one. And every stripe that ripped his back open, I deserved in my performance as a human. I would have deserved that. But Jesus, out of his love and out of the love of the Father, he said, I'm going to take that. I'm going to cover him. So the the beating that would be on him, I'm going to jump in, and I'm going to cover it, and I'm going to take it for him. That's love. That's love at its finest. It covers. All right, so let's keep going. What else does love do? It believes all things. Again, all things. Listen, I'm no Greekologist, but I can tell you this about the Greek. All means all, everything. All right? That's what it means. Look it up. All, everything, always, no exceptions, all. That's what it means. So if love bears all things and it believes all things, see this belief, it's not just a faith believing God. That's going to come in this next one too. But it's believing the best in people. It's believing the best in people. See, this is where we, I'm telling you, I'm doing what the Lord has told me to do as a pastor, and I'm equipping us. But this is sometimes hard to talk about and sometimes hard to receive because we don't always do this good. And we are quick to label people. We are quick to see people's fault and judge them and condemn them and shame them and not look beyond what's really going on. People that hurt you are usually people who are hurting. People that that make mistakes are people that grew up in a family where those same mistakes were made. And we're so quick to just look at someone and what they've done and say, well, you know, if that's how they're going to be, then you know what? And we get all upset with them. We get all frustrated. But love, it believes the best. Love says, listen, like I was given that illustration with a guy who steals. Love doesn't look at someone and says, he's a thief and a robber. Get him out of our church. That's not the love of God. The love of God is, why does he do that? There's something in, there's something deep. He's hurting. He's struggling. And I believe the best that down deep in his heart, he doesn't want to do that. I believe down deep, 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 he wants free. Listen, down deep for every person on the face of the earth, you are created in the image of God. And there's going to be something down deep in you that's never satisfied until you connect with God. And love believes all things. It believes the best. It doesn't just have this preconceived thing that, there's just, an, there's just an evil person. Well, that's just how they are. That's not true. Listen, I've had people, when I was youth pastor, I, I had teenagers come in the youth group that people already gave up on. 16, 17 years old. They're like, you know what? They're not going to make it in life. And it would hurt me. Because I think those, you're, you're forming them with those words. There, there is, even though they'll walk away from that, they hear it. And at some point later in that night, they're thinking, I wonder if that's true. Because guess what? That was me. Even in Bible college, I joked around a lot. That may be hard for you to understand. I joked around a lot. I got in trouble even in Bible college because I struggled. I struggled with whether I could do it or not. And I was trying to just get out of it. And because I would joke around and I would get in trouble and Sometimes the, I had some people in my, in my life in Bible college that said to me, you're never going to make it in ministry because you play around too much. And God's work is serious. 
And I understand what they're saying. But what it did to me is I went back to my dorm and I was like, God, they're right. I'm not going to make it. Why am I wasting my time at Bible college? Lord, I don't like to talk in front of people. I don't like being in front of people. I don't know how to pastor. Plus, pastors, they struggle all the time. I don't think I've ever met a happy pastor. (laughs) There's still a lot of those around. They look at it like, well, I'm just a vessel of God. I'm just doing what he told me to. Hello. That should be fun. (laughs) That's a good thing. But I struggled. And even though those, I don't think all those were, they were trying to be hateful. But it hurt. And they didn't believe in me. And I already didn't believe in myself. So as soon as those words were spoken, I started contemplating on, I just need to head back to Florida. Why am I here? And I started planning my departure. And of all people, the dean of students comes into my dorm. And I was good friends with him because I told you I got in trouble sometimes. <laughs> so he comes in. He says, Scott, how you doing, man? I said, you know what? I'm all right. I said, I don't know if this is for me. And this is what the dean of students said to me. He said, bro, listen, you were just like me when I was your age. And I'm going to tell you something of every person I see on this campus. And he didn't know that people had already talked down to me. He didn't know that. But he said, of, every, of all the people on this campus, there's something about you. And God's going to do amazing things to you. And the very thing that, the very words that tore me down, now there's words that are picking me back up. Because all I needed was one person to believe in me. That's all I needed. I didn't need a fanfare. I didn't need a parade. I didn't need to be lifted up and, oh, Scott is amazing. I didn't need that. I just needed one person to say, bro, you can do it. Just go for it. Just do it. And you know what? I did. And I stayed. And I am now 20 Three years in full-time ministry and still loving every minute of it. Why? Because one person, 23 years ago, 24, 25, because I was a freshman, 26, I don't know, I can't, that's too much right now. (laughs) 20-something years ago said to me, Scott, no matter what people say, man, down deep, you want to please God. Down deep, yeah, you like the FBI, you wanted to go that direction, but down deep, you really want to do what God wants. I'm like, you're exactly right. I just needed someone to help me, someone to pull it out, pull it out of me. Just say, listen, it's in there. And we got to be very careful and very sensitive that when we see people and they're struggling, that we can believe the best and look past the area where they hurt us, look past the attitude, look past the, the, what they're wearing and how their hair is and, and all that stuff. We even got to look past the skinny jeans. Yikes. <laughs> right? We got to look past that stuff and see That that person was created in the image of God. They were created in the image of God. And there's something in there that's valuable. And we got to help pull it out. We got to help them see it. Love believes. Look at Matthew chapter 9. Jesus climbed in the boat, went back across the lake to his town. Some people brought him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child, your sins are forgiven. 
And here's what the teachers think about Jesus. They said, that's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your heart? See, here Jesus is doing a good thing, but they already have an opinion about Jesus. They already think they know that Jesus, who Jesus is and what he's all about. So they have this in their mind, so that's the way they're acting. You got this evil in you, you're blasphemy. And Jesus responds, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? I'll prove the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And Jesus healed him. The part of the story, though, is that these, these teachers of the religious law, they're talking all this great religion stuff, but in their hearts, they don't have it. In their hearts, it comes out what they really believe. Jesus, you blaspheme. You're full of evil. That's, that's what's coming out because that was their thoughts. That's, that's the way they saw him. How do we see people? Lord, help us see people through, through your eyes. Because what did, you know what? When you gave your life to Jesus... He saw you, not just for where you were at, and even in all your stuff, he looked past all the stuff and said, I want a relationship with that person. And he received you, even with all of your baggage, because he, he believes. He believes in you, and he wants to help you. So love, love believes. It believes all things. It believes the best in people, even people that get on that last nerve. Believe the best. Believe the best. Love hopes all things. See, love will always hold on. See, if you do it this way, love bears. Okay, we just cover it. Okay, so we know there's issues. If we, go, if we do this in order, we bear because we know there are issues. So we cover. We cover their sins. We know that there's problems. And then we believe, like, okay, but, you know, I don't think they meant it. You know, I think they got a good heart, down deep, they know they want this. Okay, but then even sometimes then it's like, but I don't know. I mean, I don't see a lot of change, I don't see a lot of hope, I don't see. But then this is where the third part comes in. Even after you're bearing these things and covering this stuff and you're believing for the best and it's still a struggle, here's what else love does. Love has hope. Love hopes in all things. There's always hope. No matter what people do, no matter how people fail, can I tell you, with God, human failure is never final. It's never final. There is always more. God is still a restoring God, a healing God. He can take care of things that have been messed up. God is a restorer. So when there's frustration and when there's hurt and when there's pain, God can heal. God will restore. God will take care of you. But we have to be people that still have this hope that we look forward to. Even when we don't see it, we're full of hope. We're full of hope. You know what? It's going to get better. It's going to get better. God can do it. I'm holding on. I'm holding on. Listen, it's, it's difficult sometimes. But if we understand God's love for us, we know this, that God is faithful. And we can hold on and hold on to hope because God is faithful. And if our hope is in him, we are going to be fine. we got to put our hope in him. So hope, sometimes it takes a long time, but there's always hope. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. For some of you, you need to hold on to hope that that wayward child's coming back. Hold on to hope. Your son or daughter 
They're going to come back. They're going to receive Jesus. Their life's not over. They're still breathing. God's going to bring them back. See, those are things that you can hope for, those things that you can believe God for. It's just, it's hope. You know, I was thinking about how you could illustrate that, and this is a little bit weird, but it's, it's hilarious because we talk about it all the time at our house. We got a dog. It's Coco with an eye. I say that because she lost one of her eyes. So I say it's Coco with an eye. That helps people. Because Patty's name is Patty with an eye. That's what she says. But Coco literally has one eye. And um, so if you come on one side of her, she doesn't see you. If you come on the other side, she'll see you. So it just depends on how you approach it. If you come on the side she doesn't see you, come cautiously. Um, but anyway, she's a great dog. And we got her a long time ago because Zach uh, struggled with dogs. And um, it was one of those things like, let's help him overcome. Let's get a nice little dog to help him overcome that, that fear. And, uh, and it's worked great. He loves Coco. So anyway, uh, Coco, we, I mean, Patty didn't even want a dog, right? Uh, the kids did. And, and I kind of did, but it, I was, I could go either way. But the kids definitely wanted one. So we we're like, okay, y'all take care of the dog, though. That's not happening. <laughs> That's, me and Patty take care of the dog. Uh, mostly Patty takes care of the dog. I'm the poop guy. I take it out, take it back in. So that's what I do. At night, early in the morning, that's all I do. Um, so, but here's, here's, here's the funny thing about it. I, I, when we first got the dog, uh, I, I got a little research online. You know, I watched a little bit of the dog whisperer. The guy that gave us the dog gave us some instructions. I thought, you know what, I'm going to let this dog know up front who's in charge. So I take the dog and I, I walk it and I will not let the dog lead me. I lead the dog, right? So, so it's not, you know, you see those people, the dog's walking them, they're like, come here, come here. That's not us. I'm like, nah, you stay here. I take a step, takes a step. I start walking. Coco will not get in front of me. So I, 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 I'm teaching her right, right up front. You will know I am the man. You are the dog. So, so then I, I take the dog around the house, and I'm, you know, helping her understand where, where the house is, what, you know, just letting her get find her area and all that stuff. Take her out, let her know where she can go to the bathroom, where she can't. I mean, I'm just, I'm all about, I am the dog whisperer of our house. When we go somewhere, the dog is the last one to go out and the last one to come in. Our family comes in first. Then the dog. Our family goes out first, then the dog. The dog does not lead us. So I'm saying, all right, I'm bonding with this dog, right? It didn't work. That dog is Patty's dog. It doesn't matter where you are in the house. If you're looking for Coco, you find Patty, you'll find Coco. It's, and Patty's like, I didn't want the dog. And I'm like, well, maybe the dog's trying to earn your affection by following you around for the last five years or how long it's been. So basically, it doesn't matter what. Coco is Patty's dog. When Patty's not there, she might hang out with me some. And she doesn't follow any of I mean, if we go outside, she's in front. Patty, Patty's, all right, she's a dog, you know. But Patty and Coco have this great connection, which I like because I know Coco will take care of Patty. If I'm not around, if someone comes to the door and knocks, if they're, listen, if Girl Scouts are selling cookies and they knock on the door, 
If the, if the glass door is right there, Coco comes running. Listen, their cookies and the, and the girls are gone. I mean, that dog's like, Rah! that dog will let you know. Now, she doesn't bite much, but she's, she protects Patty. She's a great dog. So here's where I told you all that to say this. I could have just said this, but here's, here's what I'm saying. When Patty leaves the house, Coco sits at the window or at the door, just waits. Hope, full of hope, she's coming back. She's coming back. And she's right. Because every day that Patty gets up and goes out, she comes back. And when she comes back, there's Coco. I'm here. And if we all go out... She's sitting there when we get back, and she's sitting right at the door. And when you open the door, I come in, I'm like, hey. And Coco's like, where is she? Where is she? It doesn't matter. She will look past all of us to see Patty. But she literally is there hoping every time, full of hope, that that door is going to open soon. And sometimes she'll sit there for hours. What, is, what would it be like for us to have that kind of hope to say, listen, it's been a long time. But I know that door is going to open. I know God's going to reveal to me and show me those things I'm praying about. I know he's going to answer me. I know he's, I know he's got a plan for me. Although I don't see it right now, I, I sit here and I wait and I hope. I hope that it's, my hope is in God. He's going to come through. He's going to come through. And I'm just telling you, guess what, y'all? He's going to come through. I promise you he's going to come through. And then here's the last part. It endures. When the hope starts to run thin, and listen, we're human. There's going to be times where you just think, I have been waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm getting tired of waiting. I'm losing hope. Then the love of God in you. Listen again, it's not you. It's the love of God in you. That's what's so freeing. Because when you're, when you're losing hope, you don't have much strength left. But love inside of you, the God who is love, says, I got you. And this love that God gives you, it endures. It endures in those moments. And see, endurance, this Greek word has to do with in, in, the, in a violent or in a difficult, stormy, rough situation, it endures. It goes through difficulty even in, the, in, in some of the biggest struggles of life, love endures. In other words, it says, hey, I still, I'm still going to believe. I'm still going to cover. I'm still going to believe. I'm still going to hope, not just for others, but for myself too. Because sometimes that's what we have to do to us. We have to cover ourselves. We have to understand, look, we, we've struggled. We have to believe in ourselves. Listen, some of you, you lost belief in yourself. You need to let God just renew that today, that you're worth believing in and believe in yourself and have hope that you're going to make it. You're going to walk through it the way you need to. He's going to help you. And when it gets tough, you just tap into that love that says, God, your love, it endures. Hebrews chapter 12, we'll just close out with this. Therefore, we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And listen to this. 
because of the joy awaiting him, because of the future awaiting him, the joy, which was you and me, being in his family, because of the joy, he endured the cross. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Jesus modeled this love of covering sin, of believing in us, of giving us hope, and enduring. He modeled this kind of love. He endured difficulty out of love. But guess what? The endurance, he endured through it, and he completed what God called him to do. Because he pushed through, he endured because of the strength of God. He made it. And because he, he died and rose again for us, that's why we celebrate today the gospel of God's love for us. And that's what we want to see here. And you know what? You know what's cool with this for me? And I didn't see this so just right before service when I was just praying before I came out to, to uh, by the yeah, I was just, I was late because I didn't realize what time it was. I was late to church today. So all them times I say, hey, be on time to church. Yeah, I was late. Um, but I realized with these things here that this is very similar to what God wants us to do. That we embrace people where they are. That we encourage people that they're better than they think. That there's something deeper in them that God wants to, to work on. And that they're amazing people. And that we would see people, even in their struggles, and even when they hurt us, and even when they got issues, we'd believe the best in them. And then being equipped, equipped with faith and the strength to just walk through whatever we're facing, knowing that God will take care of us. And let's let God come to us in whatever situations we're in to show us and to help us and reveal to us whatever he needs to and help him equip us with his word. And then enduring is to walk it out in the power of God, empowered with a God's power, because it's in those moments. Remember, when we have to endure, it means we're tired and we're weak and all hope is almost gone. But this is where that scripture comes to life in, in Corinthians where it says, you know what, Paul says, I boast about this. It's in my weakness that his strength is perfect. And that's how we endure because when we're weak, we thank God. We, we just have to rely on you, a God that loves us and cares for us, that will walk us through. So today we choose, let's walk it out. Help us, Lord, to receive your love in a way that we bear people's stuff. We cover, we believe the best in people. We have hope that when things don't turn out the way we think, that it's not over. Ah, I missed it. I didn't do that. Right? I struggled with that. That's okay. It ain't over. There's still air in your lungs. There's still life for you. It's not over. And that we endure through it all. I promise you this. You will make it. You'll make it. We're all going to make it. Because God is faithful. And it's his love that never fails.